Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, the Miami Heat podcast for the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring you the latest on our favorite NBA team. So Miami was coming down the stretch. We were at the last three games of the season, jostling with position with the Hawks and the Knicks. All three teams tied with three games left to go. So there were a number of different ways that this could have uh, worked out. The reality of it ended up being, though, that the Hawks and the Knicks, who had pretty favorable matchups against weak, weaker teams all at home, whereas Miami had definitely the toughest of the three with uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee on their schedule. The Hawks and uh, the Knicks definitely took advantage of that, winning all three of their games, essentially meaning that for Miami, it came down to simply winning all three of their games as well to, to match them, and then that would have put them at the fifth seed. Unfortunately, as we'll get to in a little bit, they ended up going a two of one, which essentially puts them at the sixth seed, and well, we'll get to their playoff opponent a little bit later on. First, to go into the game recaps real quick, uh, the start out, Miami hosted the 76ers. This was a game that they won 106-94, which even a 12-point uh, win doesn't really ex- uh, give justice to the kind of whooping this was. So this is the absolute beatdown by the Heat. Uh, Miami blew out the Philly starting lineup. Tobias Harris, uh, Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons just started the game, came out, took the big lead, and then in the second half rolled out, also took a big lead as well. Um, just to start out the half, which is just put them in great position. So Miami went into the fourth quarter up 22 points. They stayed around 20 pretty much until there was about four minutes left. So that's what I mean. Like, they were up 20, and they were able to bring it down to 12 in the last four minutes, which is absolutely just garbage time. Uh, Jimmy Butler sat the entire fourth quarter, so that, that kind of illustrates what the game was. Uh, Tyler Hero did have a good game. This this one, though, went 4-7 from 3, so definitely continued the hot shooting, which is good. And, yeah, overall, it was actually a really dominant defensive game for Miami, as the Philly, their highest-scoring quarter was actually that garbage-time fourth quarter. So Miami did a great job um, defending Philadelphia, specifically the way that they handled Joel Embiid, as they were able to like front him and double-team him and force him into four turnovers. And Embiid, like a lot of the starters, sat the rest of the fourth quarter as well, just to, again, like this game was over at the fourth quarter. That's how badly that we won, which was a little sad because this is was a good example of why Miami really needed to get that 4-5 to five seed just because Philadelphia is absolutely a good matchup for them to have in the second round. But things didn't turn out that way because of the following game against the Milwaukee Bucks. So Saturday, Miami went up, up to Milwaukee uh, and lost 122-108. to 108. So as much as the um, Miami beat down the 76ers. The Bucks absolutely beat down uh, Miami. This game, though, was also one where Jimmy Butler sat out uh, due to uh, back problems, which was, I think, uh, a little alarming. Which, uh, to illustrate that, what I mean by that is Miami was already going to have about a week off between Sunday with the Pistons to the earliest their series would start since they already got themselves a lock for the playoffs. The earliest their series would start would be next Saturday because the playing games are being played throughout the week to determine the 7th and 8th seed. So at this point, I mean, this is another reason why you want to get these playoff seeds. You get that extra rest. 
but at the same time, considering that Miami was gunning for a four to five seed, I mean, again, they just beat. They essentially established, okay, we can definitely beat this second round opponent, and we are going to get a more favorable first round opponent if we get to the four or five seed. They absolutely wanted it. So if Jimmy Butler was sitting out with back problems, to me, I, that makes me a little worried because very clearly uh, something was wrong because they went out there without their best player, and because of that, they got completely demolished and now have dropped to the sixth seed. But to get to, through the game real quick, uh, this one is one where the Bucks jumped out to a huge 44-28 lead after the first quarter. They stretched it to as much as 19 at halftime. The Heat, to their credit, did come out and go on a 12-3 run to start the second half to bring it down to 10. However, the Bucks behind uh, Middleton's shooting and some playmaking by Holiday went on a 7-0 run to push it back up to 17. And the Bucks just pretty much stayed up around 17-18, up 18 going into the fourth. Never got even to 10. So, yeah, it just ended up being an absolutely blowout loss. And ultimately, what costed Miami the ability to um, get that more favorable route back to the conference finals. This was also a game that saw Tyler Hero struggle a good bit, going 0-5 from 3 and not being very productive at all. Uh, this was also... But on the positive side, Kendrick Nunn at least dropped 31 points with 4-5 or five shooting from 3, so good to see him. Uh, Bam Adebayo was a very quiet 5 points on 2-9 shooting, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. So just... I mean, like if you... If you if Miami had locked at the 4 or 5 seed and you told me that they were resting Butler at this point, fine. But they the only other way that they were going to get the 5th seed was relying upon the Knicks losing the next day, which is antithetical to what they have said before. You never want to put your destiny in somebody else's hands. You go out and win every game that's in front of you. So um, Jimmy Butler obviously did not play uh, Sunday. He probably wouldn't have played regardless because everything was determined by then. But still, um, I just I'm going to be keeping an eye on this throughout the week because I am a little bit concerned for him that they they risked getting a very mu- very more favorable route to just to try to rest him for a game. So then Sunday, Miami finished up their season at the Detroit Pistons, a game that they won 120 to 107. But this game was, for the most part, pretty meaningless. So the Knicks, the only way that Miami was going to get the fifth seed um, because of the loss to the Bucks, was if the Knicks lost on Sunday. Uh, the Knicks played earlier in the day. They won their game. So by the time tip-off even started for Miami versus the Pistons, they were already locked into the sixth seed. But some quick notes, Anything? if there's anything to take away. Uh, let's see. The only rotation players that played in this game were Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Those are shooters. You want to make sure that they're getting shots up so they can keep their confidence high, I guess. Um, for Hero, I would imagine you would want to try to get him another good shooting performance, let him bounce back from a bad game against the Bucks the night before. He did do a de- decent job. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 11 assists, which is impressive. He played 35 minutes, which might seem a little high, and that's because I think uh, Spolster left him out there to try to see if he can get his shot going a little bit. He unfortunately went 1 of 5 from 3, so that is a little bit concerning. 
as we start to go into the playoffs as well. Duncan Robinson was a decent uh, 2 of 4 from 3, so 50%. He only played 19 minutes, though. So he went out there, he got some shots up, he nailed them. Good enough. Um, Robinson, therefore, sat the rest of the game while Hero was left out there to try to keep getting his shot going. He got his playmaking going, but he's going to need to get that shot back, especially as the playoffs loom and we Miami has a first-round matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. So first, we will have the play-in games this week. In the East, we will have the Celtics and the Wizards. Uh, the winner of that game will play the second seed, Brooklyn Nets. The loser of that game will play the winner of the Pacers and Hornets for the eighth seed, and will go up against the first-seeded Philadelphia 76ers. Outside of that, the Atlanta Hawks will go up against the New York Knicks, uh, the fourth seed, no, sorry, fifth seed Hawks, because the Knicks had tiebreaker over them versus the fourth seed Knicks, and the third seeded Milwaukee Bucks will go up against the sixth seeded Miami Heat. So this is a re obviously a rematch from last year's Eastern Conference semifinals, where the Miami Heat went from just this fun team that was in the playoffs to an actual, legit, you-must-take-this-team-seriously-as-a-title contender when they beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a very convincing five games. This was a game, though, admittedly, where Giannis did get injured in Game 4, didn't play in Game 5, but by the time he got injured, the series was pr pretty much in hand. The Miami had already won three games. It was looking pretty good in the fourth quarter, uh, in the fourth when he went down. The only reason they even won the fourth game was because Chris Middleton just went absolutely insane from the field, forced overtime, and then was able to win in overtime. But by no means was it close. Like, admittedly, Miami was, even even as we were going into that series, pegged as a very good matchup for the Bucks. My The reality, though, is that they took advantage of it to a degree that nobody actually expected them to. Like, even people picking the Heat the win was probably, like, six, probably seven. To do it in five and a convincing five, uh, my, this was when Miami made a statement, but at the same time, it pushed the Bucks to a very low point. So, I mean, these are teams that are definitely familiar with each other from last year, and... The Bucks are going to be walking in with a chip on their shoulder to try to rewrite the wrong that they felt happened last year, whereas the Heat now have an opportunity to prove that what happened last year was not a fluke. So because of the history, the stakes are a little bit higher. Since then, the Bucks, uh, obviously being the team that got embarrassed, have gone through a few changes since then. Specifically, they, in the grand scheme, um, had a massive win re-signing Giannis Antetokounmpo, they have a bit of long-term security now with that superstar. With that as well, uh, although before he re-signed, they traded for Drew Holiday, which allowed them to also get rid of Eric Bledsoe, which is a double win because it's um, getting rid of a negative for a positive. Miami was definitely hunting uh, and taking advantage of when Bledsoe was out there. Now they won't be able to take advantage of that, and conversely, Drew Holiday is their uh, third, sometimes arguably second best player. So that gives them a massive upgrade there, which I think could be a, a big factor in this series. PJ, they also got P.J. Tucker, who has filled in a solid role for them. And 
most importantly, their coach Budenholzer has started to become a bit more flexible. One of the other things Miami took advantage of last year was how inflexible uh, Coach Bud can be. You know, players play certain minutes. That's all they play. They play a specific style, and it more specifically the style that they played last year had great success in the regular season, which is something that has happened with Budenholzer before, specifically with the Atlantic Hawks. They had a season that they went they won 60 games just because their starting five was so good together. But at the same time, the system that they played does not work that well in the playoffs because in the playoffs, you have to be able to adapt. And just sticking to your guns when your guns clearly aren't working, I mean, that that is a big reason why... Miami won last year because they figured out how to beat what what Budenholzer was doing out there. And Budenholzer said, well, this won us so many games in the regular season, therefore it should win us games in the playoffs. That is not how it works at all. Have to be able to change and adapt um, in the playoffs. It's one of Spoh's greatest greatest gifts and what makes him such a great head coach. Uh, Since then, though, looks like Budenholzer may have finally learned his lesson, and he's been a little bit more flexible with, and experimental with some of the things that the Bucks have done this year. They've kind of been foregoing a little bit, gunning for like that first or second seed, well, more so for the first seed like they have the last few years, uh, because they have been more experimental, which has cost them a little bit here, a little bit there. But by now, especially with the long-term security with Giannis, they know that they can take some risks in the regular season they very clearly could have stayed a top three seed, which still keeps them in a pretty favorable route. But in return, the Bucks have started to get practice and real game reps doing more playoff style uh, schemes, such as a lot of switching to help defend out at the perimeter, and then also using Giannis as a screener. Since now that they have Drew Holiday and Chris Milton, like they have two perimeter threats. Therefore, Giannis can work more as a screener, kind of like that Draymond Green short roll situation, which would make him, I think, quite a bit more devastating. So the with between Budenholzer actually looking more like a playoff head coach and willing to make those adjustments, and the addition of Drew Holiday, as well as a little bit P.J. Tucker, this is definitely a improved Bucks team over what the Heat faced last year. On Miami's side of things, as the team that won, it's not too surprising to see they haven't made a ton of changes since then. The only big ones really from last year's rotation versus this year is the loss of Jay Crowder instead of having Trevor Reza, which I think does make a little bit of difference just because um, specifically with this matchup, um, having Crowder would have been more beneficial just because he's a little bit bigger, can be a little bit more physical, and was therefore more useful going guarding somebody like Giannis versus Ariza, who has replicated a lot of the defense, but in this specific matchup isn't as useful because he's a little bit more longer um, and I don't believe as strong. Regardless, though, Ariza, I think, is a little bit, has been a little bit more multidimensional as, as an offensive player. He can put the ball down, drive to the rim, uh, he will get smacked repeatedly, and the refs do not apparently see it at all, but he will still drive in and can definitely finish at the rim a little bit, in addition to uh, knocking down the three. Although, from what I've seen, he seems like he can be a little hot or cold streak with that. So, Ariza for Crowder is the only major rotation change from last year. Otherwise, Miami's bringing in the back the same squad. 
some other differences, though, from last year. There's been a little bit more struggle going on with Miami's guard rotation this year, specifically uh, Goran Dragic looking a little bit older, a hero slumping, although he did come on hot for a little bit. However, uh, like we mentioned earlier, he did not have the last two games of the season. We needed him to get that stroke back. And then Oladipo being injured. Um, on the good part for Miami's guard rotation, Kendrick Nunn has looked quite a bit better this season. Has been the starter for Miami like he was um, last season as well. Uh, one of the big things for last year's bubble and why he had a little bit of inconsistent play, part of it was definitely the scheme, but also a big part of it was he wasn't really giving Miami, he wasn't really able to fulfill his role for what Miami needed him to be. Miami needs him to be a scorer. So if he's not doing that on the offensive end, his especially his playoff value drops a ton. So he was recovering from COVID last year. Um, he didn't want to use it as an excuse, but it has been out there for a, quite a few players that have had difficulty, especially with like conditioning and breathing in their recovery from COVID. So and it hit it hit none at the worst time right before the bubble last year. And one could argue it limited a lot of his effectiveness. The other side of that argument could be, though, that he's just not a great uh, playoff player because he is so reliant upon his jump shot, and that can kind of be streaky at times. And he's not, he definitely tries hard on defense, but he's still new enough and not quite skilled enough or big enough to be a, a big positive on that. And like, I think he's. He can be closer to a neutral, especially this season. He has gotten better defensively, but he's not quite a positive yet. And then offensively, if he's not getting you buckets, he's not doing too much for you. And at times, he can definitely struggle to get buckets. So overall, I'm not quite sure what Spolstra does here. So he has definitely whittled the rotation down to nine players that we um, saw with the Timberwolves and the two Celtics games, which was Nunn, Robinson, Butler, Ariza and Bam starting with uh, two guards coming off the bench and Hero and Dragic, one wing in Igadawa and one big in Deadman. So if you're going to look at this as uh, how Miami whittles is down from nine to eight, if things really start to get tough, very clearly they have three guards, so they probably try to whittle it down from three to two. So between Dragic, Hero, and Nunn, I'm not quite sure. I wouldn't be su- surprised if. Spo goes the route of, all right, I'm going to play all three and give them some good minutes in the first half, and then whoever looked like my two hottest guards, those are the, going to be the ones that get uh, all the minutes in the second half. It's it's going to be tricky between those three because none of them, I think, flash the, the, the scoring consistency that Miami really needs to keep their system r- driving at all cylinders like it was last year. Goran Dragic was the one that filled that role with Hero coming off the bench so well last year. I would imagine Spo would lean into that, and unfortunately that would mean none is the odd man out, even though he's arguably played the most consistent of those three. But that decision is Spo's, and in Spo we trust. And still, Miami might have a huge advantage in that they seem to be peaking at potentially the right time. So oh, on the season, they finished 40-32. Forgot to mention that real quick. Um, they started off at the low point was 6-12 and 12 at the end of January. This was when Butler had only played six games. But then he came back from injury 
at the at that literal time when they were six and twelve, and Miami went thirty four of twenty since then, going from winning about a third of their games to almost winning two thirds of their games. So they went on quite the. They actually went on like a pretty legit tear, especially near the end, to get themselves out of the play in and into the playoffs. So between the two, like if you're if you were talking about the idea of momentum, Miami definitely has the most momentum going into this series as they've ramped up in these last few weeks, while the Bucks have stayed pretty consistent throughout the season. Unfortunately, looking at the head-to-heads between the Bucks and the Heat really don't tell us much of anything because there's a giant asterisk over all the Bucks heat games that says Jimmy Butler did not play in these. At the beginning of the season, so the Bucks and the Heat played two games at the beginning of the season, which is when Butler was starting to have his ankle injuries to start out, and then they didn't play until this last game that he sat through out because of back spasms. Uh, these were games where by uh, the Bucks, the two games that they won were in absolutely dominant fashion. Uh, the first one was like by 144 points. Um, Miami won the second game, which was after that first blowout. So and they they did that without Butler as well, which is definitely commendable, especially after the beatdown that they got the game before. Uh, but then this last game as well was also beatdown. But again, no Butler, so what can we really tell about it from those games since Miami didn't have their best player? Overall, it is still pretty arguable that this is a favorable matchup for Miami, in part because they can replicate some of the defense that helped them win their ga- the, the games last year. So specifically, Miami successfully employed the build-a-wall tactic for Giannis, which essentially just tries to cut off his drives to the rim by quite literally building a wall of bodies in front of him, either to pick up charges, which then get fouls on him, or to force him into bad passes. So last year, Miami was do that was able to do that through a combination of like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Jay Crowder. They did a little bit with like Kelly Olynyk because Olynyk was good at taking charges, and then some um, Myers Leonard and um, Andre Iguodala as well. So Miami had quite a number of bodies to throw at them. This year they have just as many, if not maybe more, because they can also definitely throw out um, Dwayne Dedman instead of the Kelly Olynyk role last year. And then they have, you know, um, Ariza, Igadawa, Butler, and Adebayo. So, like before, um, they can build that wall and then they can stop Giannis that way. The big difference is going to be how they contain uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday out on the perimeter. Provided Miami can still keep up with that, uh, they will have the they will still have a good edge on defense by being able to lock down the Bucks' best player. Um, in addition with that, the Bucks, like they were last year, let opponents shoot a lot of three-pointers, which with Miami having players like Duncan Robinson, Hero, Nunn, Dragic, if those guys can get hot from deep and keep the Bucks spaced out, or more actually more in this situation, punishing them for not stepping out and forcing them off the three-point line, then that, that also something Miami can exploit again. But a lot of this... If we want to come down to like maybe some more X factor part of this, comes for the Bucks comes down to Budenholzer. Can he make the adjustments at the right time, or is he going to stick with his positions again and lead the Bucks to another um, upset at the hands of the Miami Heat? Another X factor for the Bucks will be Drew Holiday, who will be playing his first meaningful playoff series since 
New Orleans a few years ago. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I think Drew Holiday is probably going to be, even though he's an X-Factor, he's probably leaning more towards the good side. Like, he is going to perform well. Um, but I think he's the biggest X-Factor for the Bucks potentially winning this series. On Miami's side, their their biggest X-Factor is quite clearly uh, their guard rotation between Dragic, Hero, and Nunn. Miami needs one, if not two, of those guys to step up. If all three step up, then that is obviously huge for Miami. But they need at, l- at least one to make this a series, two to potentially win this. Outside of the guards, Miami's a pretty known quantity. Like They're, they're definitely a good team. It's just whatever they're going to get out of the guards. Um, overall, though, I do think this will be a much closer series than it was last year which was definitely one that Miami won decidedly. However, since then, the Bucks are just as definitely the more improved team, and they look better prepared to actually make a run in the playoffs versus years past where it's been more about you know regular season awards versus playoff success. So overall, though, I think this is going to be a long seven-game series. I definitely think it's... One of the most intriguing series of the first round in general. Most definitely the most intriguing of the one in the East. Um, but I think it goes a full seven games, and I'll say Heat in seven. I got the guts. I think we can do this. I still think Miami can prove that they were not flukes last season by beating the Bucks. So there will be one more episode out Friday where I'll lay out what the game plan is going to be for the playoffs. But other than that, this will be it for today's episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KBR Heat Nation and the pod at Heaters Heating. Also, be sure to check out the OTG Podcast Network at OTG Basketball. Uh, we got quite a few different series out there. Uh, one of my favorites is the NBA Outlet for just some general NBA talk. Nick and Corey and the crew do a great job there. I do thank you very much for checking in. Hope you all have a great one. Let's go, Heat Nation.